Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Business of Fitness podcast with me, Molly Herford. And today's guest, I am so excited about. Uh, I actually had planned to do a totally different episode this week, but after talking to Brittany Coleman of Tough Cutie, I realized we definitely needed to get this out sooner rather than later because, frankly, holiday shopping season is almost upon us. And A, if you are in the retail space, then this episode is going to have a ton of really tangible takeaways for you in terms of getting ready for the holidays. And B, honestly, I am absolutely in love with her merino wool hiking socks that are made for women. And if you are looking for an excellent holiday gift for someone in your life, uh, frankly, these are well worth checking out. So I just wanted to make sure that this got out ahead of the holidays rather than later when it was a little too late for some gift buying or for some rethinking of your retail strategy. So Brittany founded Tough Cutie back in 2022, although it had been years in the making, and she has done such an amazing job with it, although she was actually about to throw in the towel before Title IX actually picked her up after winning a pitch contest, and we get into all of the fun stuff around that, including how to win a pitch contest. Uh, Honestly, just so many takeaways for anyone who's thinking about entering the startup or entrepreneurial space, sort of what you should know going in and what you shouldn't know going in. Uh, there's just so many fantastic little moments from Brittany in here. I was scribbling down the entire time. I have so many notes to myself that I'm taking away for Strong Girl Publishing and honestly cannot thank Brittany enough for being so open and honest with you know, some of the difficulties around starting a business, especially a product one where there's all these little moving parts that you just don't think of until you're in it. So without further ado, I'm going to get this podcast episode started. But if you're enjoying the podcast, please do me a huge favor, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you listen to podcasts, it really helps. And as we're kind of figuring out the new direction of the show or whether we're going to keep the direction of the show going the way it is, uh, we could really, really use some listener feedback. So let me know in the reviews, in the follows, what you like, what you want to hear more of. Hit me up over on Instagram. I'm Molly J. Herford, and we are at business.of.fitness on Instagram. And honestly, your feedback is so, so appreciated. So without further ado, enjoy this conversation with Brittany Coleman. All right. Brittany Coleman, welcome to the Business of Fitness podcast. I'm so glad we were finally able to make both of our like hectic fall schedules work here. Yeah, so glad to be here. Also so glad we finally made it work. If there's yeah. a will, there's a way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we are in Q4 of the year, which as anyone in the retail space knows, is the worst Q of the year <laughs> by far. It's the worst and best Q. It's the best but it's yeah. the worst. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like we don't really get the, if you're in retail, the Christmas season is just not the fun season. It's no. really like after January. Yes. Q1 <laughs> is amazing in terms of just like wellness and <laughs> breathing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and I mean, last year would have been your first full like year in this. This is, you know, this is the second holiday season you're heading into so before we get into like kind of the origin of tough cuties i just have to ask any changes you're making heading into this time of year with the Uh, business changes i mean i think we're gonna do some campaigns we've never done before um it's very interesting so we are actually in the middle of moving our warehouse of course which is the worst you know because we have to (laughs) 
<laughs> and so I think once we get that set away, we're going to be just heads down focused on delivering um, a fun holiday experience. And what that looks like, we'll see. There's a couple things I'm thinking, but yeah. Love it. Love it. Okay, let's back up. We have to talk about the name Tough Cutie to yes. get started because I yes. I love a juxtaposition. <laughs> this is my favorite thing ever. How did you come up with it? Did you have anyone tell you like that's a that that name won't work? That's too Oh god. No, everyone loves the name. Some people butcher it a little bit. They get like tough cookie and I'm like, oh, kind of, oh, not right. really. Yeah. Um, but no, I have not gotten any negative anything about the name. Um, it, I, I feel like it just came to me one day, maybe out of just many different experiences I've had. Um, the one I like to point to always first as being like the only girl in a family full of boys. So just having to <laughs> survive in my household. That'll do <laughs> it. Part of it. Um, I think the other part is really about um, this, the way I've seen women treated in my life. Um, kind of this idea of, you know, we can't be too aggressive or strong or anything because it's it's so negative like uh, it's just that annoying double standard um but then we also like can't be too cute because otherwise people don't take us seriously mm -hmm. and they just want to like pat us on the head and stuff and so part of it is sort of uh me poking fun at that because really women as you know will be anything we need to be to get the thing done um <laughs> and then part of it is i think just knowing that there's there's so many ways for women to connect across so many different planes um and it's not always obvious like sometimes it can come across as women being catty to each other or not having a not having each other's backs but i really think that there's just so much opportunity to bridge that gap and so that's those are all of the ways that tough cutie comes across mm -hmm. for me i love it i love it it's it, to me it also kind of is like that reclaiming of mm -hmm. beauty as like yes. you know what this can be a positive like i can absolutely yeah want to look cute when I'm hiking or biking or running or doing all of these mm -hmm. things while still being super tough. And I think yep. we've, uh, you know, we were in this kind of period where if you were going to be this athlete, you had to be super, you had to kind of like give up the femininity. Yep. And it's yep. so cool to see brands like this that are coming out that are saying like, no, we can be all of these things. Right. Cause it, I mean, it's, I think it's totally ridiculous. I grew up playing sports and, and that exactly what you're saying always came across is like why do we have to sacrifice like this side of us because I guarantee you like you know maybe you're working out or you're hiking or you're playing a sport whatever during the day like all those same women are getting cute at night like going out doing like doing the makeup thing like whatever like there's it's just I don't know you only see one side of a person and so hundred percent. It's funny when I, I remember like a few years back, the article that I wrote for bicycling magazine that got the most pushback, the meanest comments, like just the worst thing was how some pro women, like what some pro women are wearing for makeup on the bike. I got <laughs> destroyed for it. And like, it was just pro women weighing in on like what right. they were actually wearing and what actually they were doing. doing. Mm -hmm. And actually like a lot of women found it really useful. And oddly enough, mostly men were very offended that I would dare to write about makeup in sport. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's it was fine. a weird one. It was a weird one. Yeah. Um, super fun. Yeah. Okay. But back to tough cutie. Why, <laughs> why hiking socks? Like what yeah. is this origin story here? 
Yeah, so I, I started the brand after um, working for another brand, and I, I never really talk about who that is, but um, essentially managing the sock division and wanted for hiking um, and for outdoor. And I just saw this concept of like shrink it and pink it mm-hmm. pervasive across the company, not just my category, but just all of the brands, honestly. Um, <laughs> and I just felt like this is ridiculous. Um, regardless of if it's socks or anything else, there needs to be more thoughtfulness. Um, and I wanted to create a better hiking, um, hiking sock for women that had all the bells and whistles that you really should have, that it shouldn't just be this like cutesy thing. Right. Um, I wanted it to be both cute and also very functional. And so that's like where initially the, the impetus for the brand and the product came from. Um, I was, I'd say like a normal hiker, like a person who liked hiking, but not, um, you know, I wasn't doing hundreds of miles or anything. Right. Um, but liked hiking and have since done a ton more but I would say it really like my thriving force was just knowing that women deserve better design options out there (laughs) oh love it love it okay walk me through you have this idea you know you want to do it uh there is a very wide (laughs) chasm between like oh it would be cool if there were these socks that were actually good for women Mm -hmm. to I have a warehouse that we are now moving (laughs) Yes. What does that look like? I realize we don't have hours and days. Yeah, really. But like, (laughs) give me the the rough timeline here. Yeah, I mean, it's like the that image you see of somebody like going up a mountain, but maybe you go down and you fall off a cliff and you go back up. That's kind of what it's been like, um, to be honest. And every Um, time you get to the top, it turns out there's another one. (laughs) There is another one. Um, and so I think when I first started, I was just, and probably most entrepreneurs, when they start something, they are so fueled by whatever their belief is, the passion, like you're, we're just like running off of like raw energy of like, I want to do this. Um, and then you get like slapped in the face by the reality of what it means to do it. And so like, um, initially for me, I knew I wanted to find a good factory partner. Um, that was women owned, that was value aligned. I knew I wanted to produce domestically. Um, There's nothing wrong with international um, product development, but for my experience for this, I really wanted to be close to home. And so went through the process of finding a women owned factory to develop the product. And essentially like the trade-off there was, this is gonna be a really expensive pursuit because, you know, manufacturing anything domestically compared to overseas is generally going to be much more expensive but and I imagine finding a women-owned one was like oh here's the two or three options yes yes yeah like a needle and a haystack there's not a lot um and so eventually found it had to kind of work actually over several years to convince them to actually do it like developing the product and um building that relationship took some time right? Because you're just like a no-name, as much passion as I had, right? And as convincing as I can be, like, they had to kind of like, you know, we had to build that relationship mm-hmm. for, for it to make sense for them. And um, I was still working another job for a lot of this as well, um, just because, you know, that was just my reality. And so mm-hmm. eventually got, um, did a crowdfunding thing that didn't go so well, 
Um, oh, and- okay. So I love that you said that because <sighs> normally someone is like, and I did a crowdfunding <laughs> thing and I raised like $10 million. No. And it went amazing. Crowdfunding always- is freaking hard. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I I think now that the time has passed, it doesn't sting quite as much as it did. <laughs> but yeah, there's it's hard. Um, and it didn't yeah. work out for me. For so. every successful crowdfunding, I would say there's probably like ten thousand mm-hmm. that didn't raise as much as they needed to. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so I was actually very much at the brink of like wanting to quit after that because um going back to passion and like feeling like this is so personal and something I want to do and I kind of just feel like I got like smacked down just like <laughs> just like this is not important no one cares mm-hmm. about this um and so it was really in a bad way um but around the same time I entered a pitch competition sponsored by title nine um which you know is many things but um Title IX is a women's retailer um, and brand named after the legislation that made it illegal to discriminate against um, women in higher ed sports. And so um, ended up winning that pitch competition (laughs) and got distribution in their stores. And so So wait, you get distribution and you're like, oh, crap, I need to make this product. Yeah, I just had the socks. I had no packaging. I was like. yeah they were like they really (laughs) looking back on it it was like wow like that was a great pitch I guess (laughs) okay what is the secret to the pitch like can you like do you know what your secret sauce was I think it was just telling my story the same I'm telling you and being like super authentic about it um they could tell that a lot of uh, time and effort had been put into the technical design of the product and then I was just talking about everything you know about women and wanting to just do things differently and it just really resonated with them and so I went from having like no support it felt like with this crowdfunding thing to just like all of a sudden having this amazing network of women who just totally got it like I didn't really have to even explain why it's important (laughs) why what I was doing is important it was just like you get it thank god um (laughs) (laughs) like I don't know how many more times I could have said this (laughs) yeah really (laughs) um And so getting that buy-in from Title IX made it possible, made the factory really be like, okay, you have something here. Like we are totally on board with this now with you. And I got some other retailers. I got public lands um, to also commit, which is the new concept from from Dick's Sporting Goods. Um, And it just kind of continued from there, right? Like I still had, there's a lot of missteps, like packaging reprints and just like, delays like things happen right but um yeah eventually got to the point where we started selling both on our website and through these retailers and yeah it's been a ride that's amazing I love it I'm also glad you mentioned even just like the packaging component because I think that's something that a lot of people wouldn't think about with a product Uh, the look on your face is just like (laughs) packaging (laughs) well it's almost like developing another product in some way because it really is um it's not like it's the experience right like it's it's all it's the first Mm -hmm. really part that you're seeing and dealing with right like, it's funny, yeah. I, I do so much reviewing of, like, mainly cycling gear, and I literally have, like, a collection of tags, basically. Mm-hmm. And I could almost, if you showed me the tags, guess, like, the price point like, <laughs> entirely based on the style of the tag at this point. 
Big so deal. much thought. Yep. In some ways more important, at least, especially for retail than huge, the <laughs> huge. Yeah. Cause I mean, the sock can be the greatest thing in the world, but if it's not, yeah, if not only does the packaging not look right, if the packaging doesn't like hang properly, mm-hmm. even in the stores, oh my gosh, the headaches from that. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now I can't even imagine. That's so <laughs> much. Um, yep. And backing, backing up to the sock itself. Okay. Why mm-hmm. Merino wool? And like, what were some of the, the challenges of making this fantastic sock? Like, why is this yes. sock the best? Yeah. So um, Merino wool, I mean, that's the top of the line material in the outdoor space. I mean, if you, you really, I don't think would be taken seriously, especially in hiking, if you come with another variation on that because it's just like tried and true um and so we knew we wanted to also be on the same level we were trying to be a um like to compete in this space um and so having um merino wool was just like a no-brainer and then we also uh went with just a higher denier spandex because one of the pieces of feedback we got from women and talking to them was about you know the comfort and the fit. And so we really wanted to make sure that in the materials we were using, um, all of that was coming through. The socks wasn't going to slide down. Um, it was going to really shape to your foot, a little bit of compression, but not too much. Um, and so all of the features we put come as like feedback from women about how we can make the existing options better. Nice. nice. We're still iterating. We're constantly adding, you know, oh, yeah. changing, adding feedback. <laughs> yeah. Now you did kind of mention just several years of doing this. So when did you get this idea considering it launched um, in 2022? 2019 is when I started. Legally Incorporated August uh, uh, 29th. And do you like do a birthday party for that? <laughs> like, <how laughs> I did a little birthday gym? shout out. I need to do more of that um, for sure. I think, you know, that was not so long before COVID happened. And I, that very much like everybody else who got sucked into the black hole COVID like changed the timeline for us pretty dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not going to quit my full-time job with all of the uncertainty that was happening in the market. Now, lo and behold, it was like the best time for outdoor. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, if you'd been like a few months earlier, you yeah. would have... Holy. I know it's, I look back at that and I'm like, gosh, this is, you know, my risk aversion. I'm still a woman in that sense, I guess. You're in that risk aversion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like it kind of just was, I was still working on it and trying to do what I could while still working a full-time job, but 2019 is when I started. Okay. And when you say like working between working a full-time job, how did you, you know, what did that look like? Was that evenings, weekends? Like, I think yeah. I like kind of was, sharing this like unsexy part of like, yeah, this killed my life. Yeah, no, it was evenings. It was weekends. I would be like that nerd that you see more of, which I'm happy about. That person who takes their laptop to the bar, <laughs> like to the brewery. Like, there's a lot it. of us out there. Okay. I still do it on occasion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it. It's taking calls on your lunch break. It's using vacation time to go visit factories, um, or my factory um, in this case. Uh, yeah, it's really just all of that juggling you do with your time. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, okay. At what point do you start bringing in extra help? Or I mean, how much, like how much of it is still just you? <laughs> but again, the look on your face is really giving away the fact. You know, that is such a fun question. Thank you so much for that question. Um, so I've been able to do a lot uh, because that partnership with my factory had been so strong. Uh, they've been really instrumental in helping me um, scale, I think. So that's been fantastic to be able to have that infrastructure. Um, I call myself like the queen of fractional, which I think is great for startups like mine um, because you really... I think it forces you to think about what is a project or what do I just need this little thing for uh, versus like, do I need full-time help? I think that some founders can get into a, a mode of being like, oh, I want to build this big team and like have all of this. And that's great. But now you have a lot of things that come with, with that. There's a lot. Um, mm -hmm. People are, people's challenging. Um, and so I've, not hired a full-time support yet. Um, nobody full-time. I still have a lot of contractors that I work with, but I think, I think it's, we're here. My mom helps me too. So oh, that. I love that. <laughs> now, before you got into this, did you, did you take business classes? Did you have a business background? What's, mm -hmm. how, how do you know how to do all of this stuff? Yeah. So I think I had industry experience and then I went, I did also go to business school. I went to the Wake Forest University School of Business for a master's in management, not a, not an MBA, but um, it's like sort of the first year uh, management degree. Um, and so I think that, yeah, I had that background. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that background is not necessary, but like extremely helpful? Because I think like most it's tricky, right? Because you're usually starting a business because you're really passionate yeah. about the thing. But yeah. the business part is really difficult. Like I, I yeah. I'm finding that right now. <laughs> Talk to me about like a PL statement and my eyes just like roll. <laughs> yeah, I think it's been simultaneously beneficial and then simultaneously a little bit like detrimental. So and the way that it's been beneficial is some of the business concepts like PLs and things I was familiar with. Um certain things I think certain choices I've been able to make I think are going to make scaling a little bit easier just because I had the experience but I also do think that you know I was I don't want to say institutionalized but like there's a way to work in a big corporation and then there's a way to work in a startup and if mm -hmm. you try like some of the things that I've done were not appropriate for a startup size okay, you gotta like, give me an not example. scrappy <laughs> Well, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a, was a, uh, part of my career was a business analyst. So part of it was finding efficiencies and figuring out how to like work in these big companies and make things more streamlined. And like, something just aren't going to be streamlined when you're a startup, you like figuring out the perfect process as a startup when it, that process is probably going to change next week. Like, like I just said, we're getting a new warehouse. I had awesome processes that I was so proud of. And now I got to rebuild them. <laughs> um, and I'm not saying that that wasn't good in that because starting from some process can be better than starting from none. But, you know, I'm a one woman show. And so some things just don't need to be as thought out. <laughs> some things just need to get done. <laughs> nope. I like that. I like that. It's, it's yeah. funny. I actually had like a very small version of that. I have a very tiny publishing company and normally everything's going to be print on demand and not done by me, but we did like one early print run where I was sending out all of the, the pre-releases. And I had this moment of like, Ooh, I should like, you know, X, Y, Z to like really make this like a process. And then I like, process, like 
I never want to do this again, no. ever. <laughs> I'm not no. going to do this again, ever. And just kind of yeah. like figured out a way to like wrap things while I watch TV and just got that, yeah. got that first batch out. We're done. <laughs> yeah. I think like me seeing how, I think some ways I've been tripped up is like, okay, this super slick way of doing things is very appropriate in like two to three years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right now you need to just like get it done and know that when it's time, you're going to implement this automation or you're going to do like whatever. Like I like yep. tools too. That's also just like a problem. Like, you know, I just like techie tools and stuff. So Okay. Now you got to give me a couple of your favorite, whether it's apps or tools. And this is as someone who just bought one of those cricket cutting machines. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean like, like tech, like technology, like, okay. um, give me your tech tools apps. here. What's the app? I love HubSpot. Like I'm a huge fan. They need to do a case study about me. Cause like <laughs> they probably won't want to, because I've like, there's a free version of HubSpot and I swear to God, there's somebody's really pissed that I haven't upgraded. Cause I just will always find a way to <laughs> use <laughs> the nth degree of functionality in that tool. And it's amazing what you can, what you can get by with. Okay, um, so I think that's actually like a weirdly brilliant, like hack that people don't <laughs> think of because I think everyone yeah. wants to like upgrade instantly. Like, yeah, yeah. No. figure out if you can make the free one work. Might take yeah. a little extra work, but. <laughs> make it work for as long as possible. And the product managers on those tools are so good. Like they'll see you using the app like this and be like, how about this sleeker, easier version, which you get tempted, but I, you, you know, there's a time for that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Have you had any major challenges within like the actual sock side of the business? Like, did you have any like first ones where you're like, oh God, this is a stocking, not a sock. Um, made baby yeah. socks, not, not adult socks. I don't know. Give me, give me a challenge. Um, I think the biggest challenge more so on the um, packaging side, like we mm. had some things go to print that had some typos and I was just like, oh my God, I just got to like out. You know, it just like made me feel like, oh, people are going to see that. Like, this is not how I want my brand to be represented and like Mm -hmm. so expensive to print, to read, to reprint and redo. And um, so I think on that front, uh, we also did um, on the, on the sock side, um, add like some reinforcement to the back of the heel that wasn't there in the first version, um, just as another contact point that we initially missed. Um, And so that came directly as feedback from customers, like, okay, it'd be great to have this here because people can be very vocal about this particular wear point and you don't, you don't have anything right there. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Feedback, very important, very hurtful. Um, <laughs> how, how was, you know, how did you handle hearing anything like that? Cause that's, that's where I'm under my bed for like days. Yeah. I, you know, I look at some of the brands that we're trying to emulate and I think, okay, I can just see how they got feedback on maybe what was not a great version and how they took it and incorporated into their processes to ultimately do something better so that's what I try to think of like okay like this wasn't very nice (laughs) but maybe you're telling me something that I can use (laughs) in some way to avoid this in the future like buried deep 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 in that little mean yeah yeah (laughs) comment is maybe I can find something constructive to work Mm -hmm. out of because because I mean the reality is like people I think even though not everybody knows how to communicate constructively, they're they're reacting to something like something that 
in the product did not work from them. And so I think as a brand, like it's the responsible thing to do is try to figure out what that is and see mm-hmm. if it's reasonable to adjust or not. Some people, like, you know, can't please everybody. No. Um, social media. How have you, how have you approached it? And also, is it just you doing that? What's, what's happening? Um, I have had like interns and different support for social media. Um, you know, it's, it's an acquired taste. (laughs) Tell me about it. Um, I would like to do better at it. I think people who follow me for a long time will have seen my various stories where I'm like, you guys, I'm so bad at social media. And maybe people appreciate that because I feel like most of us are not good at social media. We just like to look at it. We don't like to create it. Um, I think I'd like to be better at it um, because I, it just, yeah, it's a struggle point for me. I want to have the community and do the front facing thing. And I want to like figure out how to connect with people through that medium. Um, I'm still figuring out how to do that. Mm-hmm. Actually, the front facing thing is interesting because I did notice like you're not really like super apparent <laughs> on your website or on your Instagram. Like, yeah, like when I used you to be on screen. I like, wasn't sure. I wasn't sure who I was going to get. I know it's, I don't think uh, it's a so, bad thing though. Like, I, yeah, my comfort level is, I'd say maybe on more LinkedIn, like mm-hmm. business posts sometimes feel easier to navigate. And it's sometimes feels like, there's still more restraint on LinkedIn in the comments. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that might be part of it. Um, well, I guess the yeah. other the other question here is really, do you think you need social media to be amazing to have a strong brand? I mean, you're in REI, you're in Title IX, like you have all these things going. Like, is social yeah. media really selling? You know, it's so funny to ask that question because I feel like so many of my colleagues, well, you know, founder friends are also like, yeah, I don't know if it's selling as much as it is like just reinforcing messaging and community. Like a lot of people I talk to say that they don't get a lot of sales through some social media channels. Um, That might be because they don't have the money to do ads versus like organic stuff but I don't know I think it's I think it's important but I don't know if it's primary yeah yeah it's tricky I I think actually yeah for me my my thought lately has been that you don't necessarily need to spend a ton on ads and stuff but you want to have some content on it only because mm-hmm. there's so many like fake brands these days yeah. that yeah. you are, like when I'm buying something I always check the brand social media just to be like mm-hmm. do you exist yeah <laughs> no yeah and I think too like like we, I wish we had more, more followers, like not for the, not just to have them, but because I like people take you more seriously. Like other brands might want to collaborate with you if they feel like you have an audience that is similar to theirs. And so I think there's outside of the direct, like, is this follower going to buy something from me? I think that, you know, it is important to have, have a good presence because other brands might want to work with you. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, okay, so being a, a solo entrepreneur or your your own startup here, uh, is it is it lonely at the top? Do you, have you had to like find a community of other people doing similar? Like, how does this work? Yeah, it is really lonely. Um, I think my boyfriend is gonna like break up with me soon if I bring the same problems to him. 
It's like, I cannot hear about supply chain one more time. No, no we're like having to have boundaries. <laughs> but I recently did a program with REI. It's REI Navigate um, for founders of color. And that has been so transformative in terms of just the connections to other founders of color um, and building community there, because I just think it is lonely. It's any, any founder of any type is, you know, going to experience loneliness, even those with a co-founder, there's it's just, it's hard. Um, mm -hmm. And so I would advise anyone starting a business as soon as humanly possible, like after you do all that boring legal incorporation stuff, blah, 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 like find yourself some kind of a community um, and some people to walk the journey with you, especially if you're going to be a solo founder. Mm -hmm. um, you're not going to know what challenges are unique to you, your situation, and what is just part of being a founder if you don't talk to other people about it. Ooh, yeah, yeah. And it's so hard to make time for that because it feels like sort of one of like the soft sides of, of yeah. this whole journey. And you're like, but I need to do X, Y, Z, like mm -hmm. for the business. But yeah. Yeah. One thing I do with um, a couple other uh, female founders every week is we have a co-working two hour setup where we just like come say what we're going to work on for the next half an hour work on it or not. And then say, did you work on it or not? And just like kind of chit chat that way. Like it's virtual. So we do it from wherever we are, but um, I don't know. It's just like a nice focus moment. It's a good time to have some contact with people that, you know, with cool people. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's, I like the virtual element of that. That makes it mm -hmm. a lot easier. Yeah. So much easier. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the REI Navigate program. Do you feel like there are more people of color coming into this outdoor space or do you think it's still few and far between? Um, I think it's getting better slowly, but surely. Um, <laughs> is the pace where I think all of us would like it? No, <laughs> I think. What did I see? There's four outdoor retail stores owned by um men of color in the country out of like 4,300. There's four. <laughs> okay. That's um, wild. Yeah. And I think less than 1% of all retail brands are owned by like all of us collectively people of color. And so there's a long way to go. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. There's a long way to go, but you know, programs like REI navigate um, and other ones I think are trying to change that. Mm-hmm. And being a female founder, how has that space been? Yeah. <laughs> the the double special. whammy for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I just kind of take it as it is. And, you know, like, it's not great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I've always tried to see it as like, okay, there, there's still a ridiculous amount of white space in the, the women's everything, which is a positive mm -hmm. Uh, but then you're also like, well, that's a huge negative that we have on. <laughs> like, how is this not yeah. a thing? Yeah. Yes. Um, and I think, yeah, I just, I just take it one day at a time. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I try not to get angry. I, you know, I think that that's, though rightfully so, I think there's think there are so many things to be frustrated about, just the statistics alone. Um, but you can get caught up in that and start to just like brood in it and, I don't know. For I think sure. you just got to kind of keep going. Mm -hmm. 
do you take time to, I mean, we kind of touched on this before. Do you take the time to celebrate the fact that you've built this thing? And like, that's pretty cool. I try. I, I really try having those founder sessions helps because when I'll be talking about these things, they'll be like another type of person would be less like on the roof screaming about how this success and it's the best thing ever. And you're out here like, well, it wasn't perfect. (laughs) I forgot to do that one thing. So I'm trying to get better at being nice to myself and like celebrating these wins and recognizing, you know, how hard it is and how far we've come in such a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. Um, God, I just expect so much from myself. And so when I achieve things, like it's a balance of being proud, but it's like, I knew I could do it, but not being arrogant about it, but just saying like, I, I, I expect really great things from me. And so I try to figure that I'm still trying to figure that out. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> the, I knew I could do it. It's such a dangerous sentiment to have. Right. It's so hard. Right. Cause then when you don't do it, it's like, Oh no. <laughs> yeah, crap. And when you do do it, you're like, yeah, obviously I did that. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a balance cause it, it is really hard. Mm-hmm. But- yeah. I, I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Talk to me. I, I know I heard you're launching some new stuff next year. Can we talk yeah. about that at all? Yes, we can talk about it. We can talk about it. I think I've been, um, I put it out there to find product testers for both a run and a ski offering. Um, I think the vision was always to, to, um, support women in like all the shoes we fill or as many as possible. <laughs> Ooh, I um, love that. Oh my mm-hmm. God. What a great statement. And so like expanding into other types of products has always like made sense for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're adding like a run gem offering. And then we're also adding a ski snow offering. And so it's been very interesting to learn from these, you know, to learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) So my guess with that is that the run sock will have like a lower, Mm -hmm. um, what is the so, word? Uh, there we go. And yep. is the ski sock going to be like a knee high situation? Mm-hmm. Yep. Over the calf. Yep. Ooh, fantastic. I actually just found like old pictures of my dad cross country skiing from the seventies with the fabulous like knickers and like over the knees, <laughs> socks, like over yep. the, over the pants. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> once you come yep. out with them, that is how I plan to wear them. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Send me pictures. I want to see it. <laughs> hundred percent. It will, I will just be on Well, the good thing is the socks will be on display because when I ski, it usually ends with the skis in the air and me on the ground. <laughs> so the socks will look yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm so excited. It's been years of talking about one sock, even though we have like, um, different, we have many varieties of that varieties, sock. different colors and different heights and stuff, but you know, it's still, it's still at the core of the same. So I'm excited for a little bit of variety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, does that mean you have to like run and ski in order to like display the socks? Is this like a also on you to now go do these activities? Um, no, I, I mean, I do run and I do ski. I'm, I am like very much a beginner. I'm still pizzaing all the things. <laughs> Um, so that is really like relying on my community and other people to test and getting feedback and, um, working even with the retailers who, and boot fitters and all of those things to mm-hmm. learn how best to construct a, a good, um, a good product. But yeah, I think involving more people is like 
been so great as we've um, added more offerings. I love that because I think too often founders in this space feel this like intense urge to have to do all of the the sports at this super high level, which like doesn't mm-hmm. even really speak to their customer, number one. Yeah. Most no. of us are not at that level. Mm-mm. And then be like, puts this really undue pressure. Like, oh yeah, because you weren't busy enough starting and running a company. Yeah. <laughs> now you also have to be like an elite level XYZ yeah. athlete. It's yeah. ridiculous. I think I even fell a little bit into that trap with the hiking side because like I, I think represent, like I, like I said before, like a, a normal person who likes to go hiking um, and wants to have good products. But I went on like, a, I was like, I have to like learn all the things and I basically have to like create 32 years of experience yeah, <laughs> yeah. quickly. And it just, it just was not a good thing for me to be doing that. And I did this long, long backpacking trips that were fun and had some great experiences. But I was like, I, I, I fell into the trap. Like I fell into the imposter syndrome trap and I need to get out of this as quickly as possible. <laughs> yes. hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Last thing before we talk about where everyone can find these socks, one thing you would go back and tell yourself back when you were first starting out that you wish you'd known then. Oh my God. I think to just be patient. Uh, that's, I struggle with that anyway, but I I can look back and think about decisions I made too quickly or trying to rush to get something done um, when a little bit more time and thoughtfulness around it would have just been so much better, avoided so many problems. Like, you know, no one's, especially when, your brand is not launched or public yet. Like no one knows what you're doing. No one knows that it's taken you six months or 10 months or, you know, it's, no one knows it. It's a secret. And so there's, there's, (laughs) there's no timeline except the one that's in your head. Um, No one's pressuring you. So don't pressure yourself to, to launch prematurely or to launch when you don't have all your ducks in a row. That's I, if I could go back, that's what I would do. I take more time up front and just, you know, be nicer to myself if things were slower. Oh my gosh. That is the best advice and very hard. I would say for most, (laughs) if you're in this space, you're probably like a very action oriented person. Um, I always say like all of my mistakes have come from like dumbass like moments where I'm like, okay, I need to need to take action on this. And then you're like, if you just waited two hours, like not even just (laughs) not even till tomorrow. Just literally (laughs) just wait two hours. Like have lunch. (laughs) Get that email back. Like just, you know, do some other things. Yeah. Yeah. Get more information. That is it. I'm like every time. It's because I rushed and didn't get more information to make a better choice. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I actually wish there was like an email filter app I could add that would like, if I say (laughs) yes to something, it actually puts it like in the outbox and gives me like a three hour pause. It's not going to send for a while. (laughs) I love that idea. I think we all need that because also saying yes to things that I had no busy saying yes to has been my demise a little bit. (laughs) Oh yeah. You and me both. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh yeah. this has been 
So much fun. (laughs) So many great takeaways here. Where can everyone find you and Tough Cuties? And definitely check out the socks because they're super cute. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you can find us on toughcutie.com. As I said, we're moving our warehouse right now, but that's where we're going to live. And then REI has them, Public Lands, Title IX. Um, We have a store locator on our website, and so you can check that out. Um, We have filters for women-owned retailers, um, for minority owned retailers. And so you really have a lot of power in where you put your dollar because that's so important to us as a brand. I love it. I love it. And I will add, I literally just made a note as you were talking, I'm like, get your sister these socks for Christmas. My <laughs> yeah, sister. Great in this gift case, time. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Brittany. Thank you so much. This was so much yeah, fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad you made it work. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning into the Business of Fitness podcast. Hopefully you got a lot from this episode and hopefully it's going to help you with your business in the fitness industry. Make sure you're following along with me over at, at Molly J. Herford and at business.of.fitness over on Instagram. Keep up with Feisty over at livefeisty.com for tons of fun stuff. And of course, if you like this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and leave us a rating and review. Thanks so much and we'll see you soon.